I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. This is Zenith at Podcast, where we lie our way up the ranks. Because this week we watched Children of Oron. Written by Roger Parks. <laughs> Directed by Andrew Morgan. <laughs> and aired on February 19th, 1980. 1980. Andrew Parks is back. Yeah, after writing what Voice from the Past. <laughs> that one where well, you, you must really like... Uh, Getting revenge for your for your lover because he wrote the one with Inga and yeah. the cousin getting. Was it no? He no, wrote the one where he gets mind controlled into helping someone who is trying to get revenge on Serverland for like kicking them. No, Voice from the, the Past was neck. the one with with Mummy Travis. Yeah, that's the one where Blake gets like hypnotized. Yeah. Oh yeah, into yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does get hypnotized. Joining the yeah, and then they go to the BBC Auditorium <laughs> and see Serverland's face on the screen. That's the thing I remember most from that. Not mummified Travis, <laughs> more like massive... You remember googly-eye Travis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, once again, in relation to Doctor Who, we're in the inter... The inter I almost said Season? interspecies era, and that would have been really <laughs> weird and wrong. The interseason era. Interstitial era. And like we always keep mentioning, you know, we're, we were going to, you know, maybe look up what other shows were airing at the time. And didn't. I feel like we really undermine ourselves by mentioning all these things we were going to do and then don't. I feel like if we just didn't mention them, no one would even remember. Yeah, sure. Maybe we can do the Series C thing where we really leverage people's memories and, and minds to our own benefit. That Which sounds story, kind of manipulative. It is. This sounds story didn't have much of it. It had a little bit of it. Anyway, we should uh, before we get into anything else, we should uh, ask the questions. All right, so how about uh, since you brought it up, you can go first. All right. <laughs> Mine is the technician. I don't think it was Zelda. I think it was the other technician in the lab in this episode calls letting Servland use the cloning devices in exchange for her help. The price of blank. Fill in the blank. Assistance. Uh, A, assistance. B, survival. C, freedom. Or D, mercy. Mine was uh, Servland lists off the exact type of Oron. Really difficult word to say. Oron freighter that they encounter at the beginning of this episode. What type of freighter is it? This is going to be a free response because it's it's actually something we've heard on the show before. So it's it's going to just be a free response. I, I mean, I wouldn't know the answer if you didn't if you hadn't told me three minutes ago. Eh. But yeah, good luck. <laughs> what? So the you mentioned the Oron freighter mm-hmm. there's a there's an adjective like form of oron or like there's a not an adjective form. there's like um what the orons are called oronians Oro- no it's not oronians <laughs> it's something else it's, i forget i was sure it was oronian it, sergeant drano mentioned it in his email okay we'll check sergeant drano's email then oronar that's it hmm did we hear that I in this episode i don't remember if we heard it in this episode because a lot of this episode i was just uninterested and not tuned in very much. You're going to have to go back and rewatch this. I think I will have to go back and rewatch because this. Because the wiki calls them the Orons. I think it's, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've heard that word Oronar before, though. I don't remember where. I always thought it was just like the Orons, or the yeah. Oronians. Yeah, the- same here. I mean, I didn't think it was the Oronians. <laughs> the Orons, right? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. But- All of us have different thoughts on this. But yeah, I do think I will have to go back and rewatch this. Just like you'll have to rewatch Volcano. <laughs> Volcano, right? But I didn't think this was a good episode. I thought it was good. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it in my top ten, but I thought it was good. 
I just thought it was boring. I think this episode has a problem that a lot of modern era Doctor Who episodes have, which is that the scope of this is so large, right? Like this entire planet being decimated by this virus and all these people dying and there's behind the scenes political stuff. But within the episode, it's done on such a small scale and, you know, it just doesn't add up. And this has something, This, in some ways, I'm not going to get into it in this episode because, again, I didn't like the episode too much. But in some ways, this has something to do with what Series C does with how how and why we believe things when we watch a TV show. I don't know. I thought the story was rather good. Not great, but good. This story does, if you know what's coming with some of the cloning stuff that's coming up, this story does set up a lot of stuff. If you know what's coming with Anna Grant, like I spoiled for myself <laughs> this week after watching the story. Yeah, the story sets up so a lot of stuff with that, too. I'm not going to say and anything I, more Yeah, that. I actually don't know, surprisingly, what you're talking about. Yeah, and I'm not going to say anything more except that I spoiled it, and I really <laughs> wish I hadn't because it would have been such a great moment if I hadn't spoiled it. But, you know, I did. So I'm really, really upset about it, like just completely pissed at myself. Wow. Anyway. The episode starts with Servalan for once. She's in a new ship. Well, the control center looks exactly the same right. as it did it's like the same two weeks ago. It's the same control center, but it's a different ship. Um, uh, rumors of Death, was it? No, Rumors of Death is next week. Sorry, not um, Rumors of Death. In uh, in every story that Servaline's been in this season? Yes, but I'm specifically thinking about the one two weeks ago with that we did with Making Blake 7. Harvest of Kairos. Harvest of Kairos, that was it. Yeah, it looks exactly the same. And she's... she. Finds us Oronian freighter because she she's come up with this quote cunning unquote plan. Right, and this this ship looks almost looks like it rivals the size of the Liberator when you see it next to this freighter. It looks massive. Yeah, it's you mean Serverland ship? Yeah, Serverland ship. It looks pretty big. It also kind of looks like a big blob in some ways. It looks cool. Don't get me wrong. I actually liked liked it a lot. It kind of does just look like a big blob flying through space. Maybe it is just a big blob flying through space, honestly. Blob, blob, blob. I don't know. <laughs> I it really is, it don't It is know. huge. I mean, if the Federation... There's hints in this episode that this is a Federation ship. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, you got to wonder why the Federation thought the Liberator was so impressive if they can make a ship this big. Maybe it's just Servland being like, well, let's just pull all our resources into building one ship. Right, or maybe it's, it's Servland. Maybe this is when they call it... I forget what it actually is, but maybe when they hint that there's a Federation ship, they're talking about this new Federation, right? This yeah. new whatever it is. Or maybe it's like in The Lost Jedi where Snoke's flagship is like seven times the size of like every other ship in the... Fleet? Quote, First Order, unquote. <clears throat> so... I don't know why that's in quotes. Because it's just the Empire redone. Oh, but it's not the Empire, it's the First Order. I guess, it's just the Empire, though. <laughs> the Empire 2.0? Basically. This isn't the Star Wars podcast, though. Thankfully. And she's come up with this cunning plan to... Because apparently the clone masters who she tried to use to make that Blake clone last season uh, had just and been did. wiped out yeah, in the no war. Yeah, there's no more clone masters left, as far as she knows. Maybe there's a few hiding out on, like, Dagobah or something. No, I'm just kidding. They're apparently <laughs> dead. So apparently the only people with cloning technology are the Orons, which we have never heard of in this series, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, now they have... Well, not now. Now the like, Orons have cloning technology. Right, well, that's fine. The Orons are isolationists, as we learn in this episode, which... Does jive with the backstory hinted, we've been it's, given. Right, it's hinted at. And this this touches on the backstory both in Dawn of the Gods and Time Squad, sort of, of the right. Orons. So Servaline has this plan to 
clone herself, although based on what I think I know that's coming up, there's a little more to this that we don't know yet. I think, if I'm correct. But in this episode, she's planning on cloning herself. She's planning on cloning herself and making a federation of little baby servalands. <laughs> mini servalands running around. What a nightmare that would be. Can you imagine? So, but, I'm not uh, even imagining them as children. I'm just imagining them as just mini... Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Pierces. <laughs> she's wearing black in this story because I apparently found out Jacqueline Pierce wanted Servaland to wear black to show mourning for her children who get killed in the story, except... They it's get kind killed of, at the end. Yeah, so except she's they get like killed at the end. She's, she's wearing black at the start, so. And. It's another asymmetrical outfit, though, from Servaland. It's true. It's got like a long left sleeve and not on the right. Yeah, Dana's is very similar, actually, and is symmetrical. Not that that even matters, though. So. She basically has this plan to infect the Orons with this virus. There's a bit of a power struggle also between her two second commands of the week, Daryl and Ginka. Yeah, you meet Daryl and he's got like a regular name like, okay, cool, Daryl. And the other guy's like, my name is Ginka. Well, Bleak 7 has always done that, right? We we have Jenna and then Ginka. we have Olag. <laughs> and we have Callie Ginka. and then we have Villa. Yeah, Ginka. As soon as I heard that, I was like, is that... Ginko, is that racist? Well, it kind of sounds like Ginko, which is that that supposedly medicinal plant that is from East Asia. Yeah, because Ginka is, I guess, portrayed by an actor of some sort of Asian Asian descent. descent. Yeah, East Asian looks like. So when I heard his name, I was like, "Is that is that racist? Why would it be racist though?" Just sounds like a really. It sounds. It sounds like a like a racial slur, even though it's not. It just really? sounds like it does to me. It just reminded me of ginkgo, which is an Asian plant. Not gonna dwell on that too much. Right, but there's the also last time we got into racism on the show, we didn't really go anywhere with it. Well, we kind of tried to bring to it back. We tried to bring it back. Well, bounty also. We tried to also bring it up in um, aftermath and kind of mm-hmm. hit hit on it more in. Uh, whatever was after aftermath, <laughs> the after aftermath. Power play. Power play, right? But then we also have Daryl, uh, who has a lisp. That's his defining feature. <laughs> his defining feature is also that he's actually the second in command, and Gink is just like a low-level guy who wants to be second in command. So, but who's a lot more backstabbing than and Darryl really is. ruins everything at for the Sir- end of the for day. Servalan, at least. And really for the Eurons as well, kind of. So Servaland... Because no one really gets anything out of this except just death and destruction. And Callie's sister dies and she doesn't seem phased Callie's by Callie's twin all. sister who we've never heard of until this story, who then gets killed off at the end of the story. Oh, God. Well, then we cut we cut to the Liberator and they're playing Chinese. Well, hang on. I want to mention Servaland's magic color-changing drink first. Oh, right. Because she has this pink drink and she's got this tiny little uh, vial of, of clear liquid. And she's like, this is how we're going to get the Orions. Pay attention, Daryl, because one day you're going to have to do this when I'm dead. And you she pours what? this drink into the purple drink and it just turns like clear. And I was like, wouldn't, wouldn't the guy like, wouldn't the guy drinking this like, no. And then, you, and then my first note in this story is, well, just drown him, why don't you? Because she like force feeds him this drink <laughs> as soon as this Oron gets on the ship. He sits down and she grabs it, just like shoves it in his mouth. <laughs> And I'm like, wow, just drown him then. Good God. 
Yeah, you know what? I didn't make this connection until right now, literally just right now, but Sirtland kind of reminds me of Yzma from The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah, in this story. <laughs> no, not even in this story. In this story in particular, but like just all of her entire character. Yeah, I guess Travis would be the bumbling Kronk character. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <sighs> My favorite moment of Emperor's New Groove is when Yzma and Kronk beat the Emperor back to the palace, and then Kronk's like, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense, and he pulls out a map, and he's like, look, we fell down this chasm here, and they like point out the fact that it didn't make any sense for the villains to get there first. Yeah, another Blake 7 connection, you know, Cygnus Alpha and Spacefall. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, now we cut to the liberator. It didn't make any sense for them to get to Cygnus Alpha before anyone else. No, they don't bring it up. No, they don't. Like Kronk does. He's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Anyway, in this story... Not a lot of stuff really actually makes sense, frankly. Because now we get, like, Avon, and he's like, I'm going to Earth. And they're like, why are we going back to Earth? And he's like, I gotta kill this dude. I've just decided now, one year to two years after Del Grant died, to go avenge his sister's death by <laughs> oh, killing the person who killed her. I think it's more than that. More time, that is. Not, I didn't take the more. opportunity when I was lost on Earth. Yeah, thing is, this is kind of weird for Avon, right? He's never shown... That he wants to do this before, which is okay. Maybe he was just thinking it in the back of his mind. But even that doesn't drive with Avon's character. Well, so this is my what would Blake moment. What would Blake do moment? What would Blake do moment? <laughs> because like, if Blake is going to go for revenge for someone on Earth, he would have just done it when he was there. Blake's a very uh, pragmatic guy. If he's already on Earth, he'd be like, well, let's just kill two birds with one stone. And by two birds, I mean Gan and the person he's trying to kill. <laughs> let's kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, this was my what would Blake moment. Blake do moment as well. And that's that he wouldn't let Avon go to Earth for revenge. No freaking way. There's no way that he would do that. This story doesn't exist if Blake is in <laughs> the frame, so to speak. Well, not in the same way. Servaland would still go about her own business and stuff, but just the Liberator crew would be off doing something else. The big question during this is, where is Blake? We don't know. We don't where know. Where is Blake? Da, na, 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 na. I don't know why I the X-Files theme there. <laughs> anyway, everyone else is like, Avon, this is dumb. Or Villa says this silly line, like, oh, the, Hil- the Himalayas are tall this time of year. Why not go to Earth? The Himalayas are always tall, Villa. Anyway, then Callie gets like a telepathic distress call. From it's, Oran. it's from Oran. Is it from her sister? I forget her sister's She's name. Not, not oh, Zelda. at first. It was Zelda, right? Like Princess not Zelda. Not at first. All this predates that. Uh, at first, she just says they're all dying. They're all dying. They're all dying. Because I guess she can like feel them all dying telepathically. Right, which Servaland can do as well at the end of the episode. Yeah, because they're her kids. And they embedded telepathic something in them, I guess. Yeah, because Servaland sends this ship back out there. And she's like, get home safely. And he gets home, and there's this yeah, really terrifying scene when he dies, when he he docks with the ship, and he like vomits his yellow liquid when he's dying. It was kind of really disgusting. Right, and he infects basically everyone on the planet, and this thing spreads fast. Right, because by the end of the story, everyone is dead. Yeah, uh, as far as we know, I think all the Orons are dead. All the younger generation, anyway. And I think really everyone except the people they let. They let on the Liberator, or who make it on the Liberator and go off and start their own planet. With 5,000 clones, but still. Right, they go start a colony on... Some other planet. They name the other planet, and I don't remember what its name is. This now. is actually... Well, we'll get to that when we get to it, but it's actually weird that they bring up what they're going to do with these people when they always just bring people on the Liberator and, 
and that's that. That's true. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So they're playing uh, another board game. <laughs> it looks, looks kind like of like three-person chess. It looks like Chinese checkers, kind of. Kind of, yeah. With like big triangular pieces. Right. Avon's playing with Tarrant, and he's just like, I'm going to go kill this guy. Striker, I think his name is, or something like that. Shrinker? Shrinker. Something like that. No, like, should we really be doing they, this? They Avon? decide, I think they decide to take a vote as to what to do once they get to the distress signal. And it's first it's three to two. Villa wants to go to Earth as well. And then Villa switches sides. He's like, I always side with the winning team. And just, the, I love this. The fa- the look on Avon's face when Villa switches sides is priceless. You just get this shot of Paul Darrow's face for like two seconds. And he's just looking at Villa like he's gonna, about to just kill him. <laughs> well, yeah, because Oran sends out a distress signal on like all channels because apparently we also get this information that Oran is isolationist, which is right. why they don't have any resistance to these viruses that Servland's infected them with because apparently though this is like a new thing and this is part of why they exiled Callie we find out because Callie voted against she joined the resistance movement which people didn't really like yeah she joined a resistance movement to vote against isolating themselves because the guy's like oh it was all above board that you know the council voted and she's like yeah but they just ignored the, all the like, dissenters second command is like if we hadn't voted that way Callie wouldn't have been exiled we wouldn't be in this trouble right. right now but they all there's also this hint that something more went down here maybe something more illicit right because what's her face says well when we took this vote all the dissenters were just ignored now does that mean like just actually ignored or does that mean suppressed well or they what? exiled cali and they exiled so but cali also joined this group that was going to other planets and i don't remember i remember what happens what she says in time squad which is this but less info right she just yeah. says that she joined this group what does she say in dawn of the gods in dawn of the gods she just hints that she was exiled or something like that if i remember yeah. correctly dawn of the gods is the first time she said she was exiled because in time squad it was a self-imposed exile yeah for failing her mission yeah, to yeah right because everyone colony. else died cuz she was the last one so Honestly, every time they talk about Callie's backstory, it gets more confusing. It's not that confusing. I'm still having difficulty reconciling the self-exile thing now that we have explicit confirmation that she was exiled by the government. Well, like we mentioned in Dawn of the Gods, she was probably just lying. But why would she lie, though? Because in Dawn of the Gods, we were assuming that I guess Callie's a bad person. But in this story, it's like, turns out Callie wasn't actually that bad. She was just against isolationism. I I never assumed Callie was bad. I mean, you said she was lying, so... Yeah, I don't think lying is bad, necessarily. Mm. Anyway, the disease is spreading. People are dying, but it's only a younger generation. Yeah. And this is, I mean. Because the older generation wasn't isolated. That's why they bring up the whole isolation thing, because the vote for isolation made all the younger people, they never encountered all, all, all these viruses. Which is weird. Like, that whole idea in itself yeah. is kind of weird. It's weird how one like, generation you would, like, lose your immunity to it because you think, especially if they're clones, that it would be passed yeah, on. Yeah, although maybe the cloning has something to do with them losing it. I don't really know. But, like, you think about when times this has happened in, you know, our world, right? 90% or more than 90% of Native North Americans died thanks to, like, contact with European diseases, right? Mm-hmm. And it, there, there's no, like, it wasn't... There's nothing there, as far as I know, that like this, right? It wasn't like, well, we, you know, it was just all generations were mm-hmm. not immune to, like, smallpox and stuff like that. 
Well, I guess this is like a disease that the older generations encountered before, so they have an immunity to it, but the younger right. generation has it. But then yeah, even exactly. still, like, you, the immunity you think, should pass. To, yeah, you would think that it, they would all, all be immune if Especially if they're were. clones. Right. Again. So, um, you know, maybe maybe they like cloned it out of themselves, right? They're like, we don't need this anymore. Throw this out. Why would they do that? Heck if I know, but, you know, maybe they did. They, they never go into that? this, but. Anyway, they basically, the Liberator crew is like, well, we're going to go help the Orions, I guess. It feels like right there. We'll just pop over they there. Take, I mean, then. they take the vote and that's how they go and help them. They go over there. And they decide to beam everybody down except for Villa and Dana. So that's Callie, Tarrant, and... Avon. Avon. <laughs> Forgot the main character of the show for a second. Beam down to Oron. You sure that's not Villa? It's definitely not Villa. <laughs> they beam down to the planet and they're like, hey, look, can we help? And then they, I think they beam up one of the infected and they have Orac uh, examine them to try to find a cure. And then Serverland shows up basically like, what's up, my Oronians? I have the cure. I'm your god now. And they're like, okay. And she's like, all I want is for you to clone me and make a bunch of clones of me. And they're like, I guess we can do that. She's yeah, they like, kind good. Of just, they go along with it. I don't think they realize Serverland's hostility yet. Then they realize that Serverland doesn't really plan to give them the cure in time. <laughs> Especially since most of their races already died by the point Serverland shows up. But then Serverland captures Avon, Tarrant, and Callie. At this point, we've already seen Callie's sister, Zelda, right? Who looks exactly like Callie because she's her twin sister. Right. She's played by... uh, Who plays Callie? Jan Chappelle. Yeah, Jan Chappelle. I think she's played by Jan Chappelle, right? She's just wearing a full body, like a full, a full body suit that makes it really easy to film scenes of someone else from behind and right. pretend it's Zelda. Right, but I mean, when you get that full-on shot of her face, you're like, okay, that's that's her. Yeah, because the reason why they take the vote, the Liberator crew, that is to go to Oron, is because Callie receives a telepathic message message from Zelda, her sister, who she's never mentioned before, who dies at the end of the story, so that she never has to be mentioned again. That's actually that's kind of like the Legend of Zelda games, actually, where you always receive telepathic messages from Princess Zelda. Reminds me a lot of Star Trek Five, Four, Five, the one where they go to the center of the galaxy where Spock's half brother that he's never mentioned for the entire <laughs> three season run of the show shows up. He's like, "I'm Is Spock's half brother, everybody," and then at the end, they just like. Basically kill him off so they never have to mention him. They basically just like I think they kill him off at the end so they never have to mention him again. (laughs) Spock's half brother that shows up for one movie that Spock never mentioned and never mentions again. Well that's fine. Like what is what is why is it bad that he never mentioned him and never mentions him again? I mean it's just kinda weird. It's just weird in the context of like the universe because like they built the you know, in Star Trek and also in this for example, they like build up Spock and Kirk to be like best friends. They tell each other everything. Sure. So Cybox shows up and then Kirk's like, Spock, you never told me you had a half-brother. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. It's like in this, like Callie is like friends with at least one of the Liberator crew, right? She seems to be pretty close friends with Villa at least. And Dana. Maybe not Avon. Maybe and Dana. Dana. Yeah. So it's like, she's like, oh, I have this twin sister. And they're like, you have a what? And she's like, ah, yeah, with, with Callie, it makes a little more sense because she was trying to hide her past, right? Um, yeah. Maybe this is something they could have brought up in Dawn of the Gods. And this might be, you know, also, this is something we talk about on Trust Your Doctor a lot now that we're in the 11th Doctor's era and have watched a lot of the modern show. But this is something that a lot of old shows that 
don't have as coherent writing as newer ones do, mm-hmm. kind of it's a missed opportunity, right? Maybe in Dawn of the Gods, if she had said like, you know, I had a sister back on Oron and stuff like that, could have worked a little better here. Yeah, no, I agree. Because my main problem with it is that it feels like out of universe, the writers are just like, well, what can we do that's going to be shocking and exciting? Like Parks just threw it in. Yeah, it's like, what and can we do that's shocking and exciting? Oh, Callie has a sister, like. Well, but, and then even that idea, like, Zelda isn't like that. She's not that, she's not that interesting. She's not that in- integral to really anything. She ha- makes that sort of sacrifice-ish thing at the end. She does uh, the but, like, Adric thing. She's, yeah, where she stays behind, but it doesn't She stays behind to, to try f- fix whatever, but which then... Is, which is, like, I can get that, right? Like, you can get that why you, why you can get behind a character who does that, but at the same time, it just amounts to nothing. And it's Serverland's kids. The genesis of the Daleks thing. If you had a dictator as a baby in your hands, could you kill it? Yeah. Turns out the answer for everyone on the Liberator crew is yes, but for <laughs> Zelda, it's no. Oh, I'm not surprised that it's yes for everyone on the Liberator crew. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway for some reason this actually really bothered me Serverland assumes that only Villa is on the Liberator she like seems to completely forget that Dana exists yeah this is this is interesting because you know Serverland is the one who killed Hal right and right. Dana is f- out to get Serverland still we see that in this episode she hates Serverland and Serverland knows Dana's on the Liberator yeah but here's the thing because of so, Har- Harvest of Kairos yeah here, here's the thing though is that Dana is totally out to get Servland, right? And Servland, mm-hmm. she's not even a blip on Servland's radar. Right. Which is really a really interesting dynamic to me. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic, but what bothered me is that Servland completely forgets Dana exists in this story because she's, right. the reason why she sends Daryl up to the Liberator is because she thinks only Villa is on the Liberator, but that's not true because Dana's on the Liberator as well. Yeah, and I just think it's... <sighs> Really, it adds to like her villainy almost that she just completely forgets this person whose dad she killed and who's totally, you know, Dana thinks of herself as like Servaland's nemesis almost. And she's, and like I said before, not even a blip on Servaland's radar. I mean, I guess it just kind of bothered me because it was like Servaland, Servaland usually thinks things through. Sure. She usually knows what's up. And here she is just yeah. completely forgetting this entire character exists. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Oh, well. Anyway, Tana disarms Daryl because Villa wants Daryl to come and, up unarmed. And Daryl's actually, Servaland gives Daryl the gun she used to kill Hal. Yeah. But then Dana just disarms him Yep. right away. And then Villa's like, so much for coming up unarmed. That's one hostage for me. And Servaland's like, still three for me. <laughs> and then he's like, well, guess what? We can blow up your ship from space. And she's like, do it. Then I'll kill your friends. And he's like, well, at least you won't be able to leave. <laughs> I forget what comes of this sort of standoff. Nothing, I think. Nothing, I think, because everybody's dying. Servlin, at some point, I don't remember if what, this no, is okay, now. Okay, so what happens? He's, there's there's a few scenes that we glossed over with him and Daryl, and they're sort of at each other's throats, vying for power. And Ginka is like, yo, I can get up to top ranks without having connections like you. And Daryl's like, yeah, well, I'm better than you. And then Ginka's like, yeah, right. And then Ginka goes to Servlin. He's like, hey, Servaland, guess what? Servaland's like, what? And he's like, Daryl replaced all of the embryos with himself. <laughs> and Servaland's oh, like, what? At this point in the episode, because, again, I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have I don't remember this doing. exact transition, because this is where I, I watched this in two different segments. And right this moment, 
at the standoff is when I turned off the first time and I picked it up the second time, so I don't actually remember exactly how they resolve the standoff. Unfortunately. What standoff? Between Ginka and Servaland? Between Servaland and Villa. Because Villa's like, I can blow up your ship, and and she's like, we'll do it, and I'll just kill all your compatriots. Yeah, I don't remember. But, like, when I when Ginka revealed this, I was I was like, wait, he did that? Oh, I I just assumed that it was just Ginka being a backstabbing little... Yeah, well, that's what it is, eventually, A-hole. as we find out. I mean, this is this is the Series C thing that this episode touches on. You know, briefly, there's also a line from Villa. Um, he says, the question of trust, Orak can only assess veracity in person. That's when he's trying to get Servalan mm-hmm. or someone up onto the Liberator, which Dope. is related to what's going on in Series C, but I, mean, I didn't look too much into it or think too much about it. But I also wanted to mention, when Servalan has her blood drawn and dropped into the little vials or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, there's this hilarious sound effect. Almost, it's, it's like, boop, boop, beep, beep. And it's just like, I don't know. It's when the blood is dropping into the, when the blood's being dropped into the thingamajigs. Great. It's cool. Is it? I mean, it it made me pay attention to the episode more than I was doing otherwise. It was like, wait, that doesn't sound like the right sound effect for that. Oh, you know, I think it was all the standoff because I think Servalan goes to her ship and she leaves two guards in command of the three prisoners and then uh, Zelda's assistant, whose name I don't remember. I don't think she had a name. Or was it the blonde one? Daryl, I think. is. Was that Daryl? No, Daryl is the No, Daryl is the, the head. Guy. The... The captain, yeah, for Servaland. And then there's, uh, hang on. Was it the blonde woman who kind of looked like Yeah, the like blonde the, woman. Yeah, I didn't know her name. I don't remember her name, unfortunately. I'm not going to find it on this page. Oh, Franton. But yeah, so Franton goes to... Are you sure that was Franton? I, yeah. I guess it must have been. Franton goes to... Fanta goes to the room and she kind of knocks on the door and then the two guards who are in there like shoot at her and then she like runs away and then Avon and Tarrant are able to overpower one and then uh, Avon grabs the guy's gun and he goes off to the other one and does Avon hold it like a six-shooter? Yes. It's a Federation gun. He's still I, holding it like a six-shooter. I didn't notice it. And then He's like, done that with every single gun though, no matter what it is. They got to go pick up because they prepared when the virus started spreading and killing everyone, they prepared these embryos to basically seed a new planet with a new race of Orions, basically just and they need to go pick them up and so that they can escape with them and go start so a new on a new planet they run around this complex for a little bit and I, I'm, I'm curious what this thing even is because there's these massive giant stone steps and there's a, it looks like there's an open sort of courtyard area I, I really I wonder where they did this I can't think of any type of facility where this would have been done that would have honestly I have no idea like that. I have no idea maybe, maybe either I mean, Blake making Blake Seven knows. <laughs> Guess we have to wait a year to find out. Yeah. And what happens next, basically, is that Servaland, she finds out the information from Ginka, so she decides to bombard the embryo, the cloning facility, because the reason why the Liberator crew goes there is because it's the safest place on the planet, because Servaland's not going to blow it up, because there's Servaland clones in there. But then they're like, oh, shoot, we got to go. There's like a missile incoming, <laughs> so they leave, but then Zelda takes her bracelet off, to try save the babies gotta save the babies and gets blown up and then it's rather terrifying actually because Callie hears her telepathically screaming right. in her lost moments as she dies yep. okay really going all over the top here <laughs> really driving home the point that she's dead I think this could have worked really well if 
not only you know, like we mentioned before, if if Zelda was mentioned in Dawn of the Gods, but if if Kali had and this doesn't work with Oran's isolationist policy, isolationist policy, I get that. But if somehow Ka- uh, Zelda had been on the show before, right? And you know, if that were the case, if she were a major if part we of a previous cared about episode, her in any way, really. right? Exactly. I guess is the main thing because she just shows up in this episode, and really, this there's nothing to differentiate her from just another like story specific character, except right. that she's Callie's sister. Yeah, but they don't use that in any way. The only way they actually do use it barely is when they're trying to send out the distress signal, and Zelda's like, "Oh, we're like siblings, we're twins, so we have a stronger psychic connection, so I can reach her from further away, or whatever." Yeah, this is the thing where like you might care because Callie cares, and you care about Callie, but at the same time, you don't get Callie caring all that much. Yeah. Then Serverland blows up Ginka's head because she finds out he lied yeah. because she feels the babies all die telepathically. So she pushes this Ginka's like, We won, we got him, and she's like, No, you lied to me, Ginka. Those weren't his babies, those are mine. And she just pushes this button and he turns red and ex- like basically just disintegrates in his he suit. Just sort of falls flat on the floor. Screaming. Yep. I mean Villa teleports Daryl over and he's like, Tell Serverland like that she didn't win this round or something like that and so villa teleports him over and then she just pushes the button and kills him too and i was like well at least certainly gets a liberated bracelet do out we of this see daryl die i don't think yeah, we actually we see him on screen we do we see him die hmm i don't remember that i'll have to go back and probably rewatch the whole episode but no we see him die like i remember explicitly because we see him die i'll rewatch it you can rewatch it but yeah. we do see him die yeah i'll rewatch it because again Seeing is something very, very intertwined to do with belief. You can trust me on this one. I'll rewatch. I mean, I'll rewatch it regardless. But I'll rewatch it. We see Daryl die. Okay, like I mean, Sarge Janus says it in his email too. Okay, that's that's fine. But I'll, I'll still have to rewatch it to to believe it myself. Okay. Not that I always believe what I see. So. <laughs> but at least Servant gets a liberator bracelet out of this. So that's a it's a win for her, I guess. She didn't get the liberator. She didn't get her babies, but she got a liberator bracelet. A teleporter yeah, maybe bracelet. You can teleport her up for a. Maybe she can reverse engineer the teleporter technology. I don't know. Anyway, then we end on the most sitcommy moment in Blake Seven history. It's not the most. It's, it's, it's a no, it is. Moment, but it's not it the is most the most sitcommy, sitcom-y moment because Avon just goes. Well, so they're talking about going slow, right? Because Avon's like double our speed and Terrence's like, no, we should give them some time to rest because it's going to take 40 hours to get to this planet. I think they call it like Europa, uh, that they're going to... The moon of Jupiter? Yeah. That's... It, prob- it probably is because they're on course to Earth, so they're probably nearby. Oh, no, they're settling on Khan. Oh, Khan. Like right. the Star Trek How could I Khan. forget? Whatever. Or like Genghis. Who thought it was Europa for some reason? I'm sure someone mentioned Europa in this. They're going to Khan. It's going to take them 40 hours. And Terrence's like, we should just let him rest. And then Avon's just like, yeah, we should let him rest. Zen maintains speed. And everybody just busts out laughing. Well, the thing, because right before that, Avon said, uh, Avon told Zen to increase the speed. Yeah. And then he's just like, well, we should, let, we should give him time to rest. So, the, so he sets the speed back to what it was before that, which is still yeah. really fast. But then everybody just busts out laughing. Yep. For no, like, apparent reason. Well, no, it's because of what he did. You know, he first he, just like, he increased the speed, and then he's like, yeah, we should reduce the speed. All right, put it back to normal instead of, like, reducing it even more. And that's why it's supposed to be funny, or it's funny to them, I guess. It's just really weird. 
This is just ends on them laughing, which we've never had. I mean, we end on like silly sitcom moments no, where they're smiling. We've ended on them laughing before. But not the whole crew laughing. Well, not the whole crew, but the one where, uh, and I always use this image because it's just so hilarious, but the one where Blake puts his arms over Jenna and Gan's shoulder and their faces just look like clowns. <laughs> I think this is the most sitcom-y one because they're all just laughing together like ha, 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 ha. Like just... <sighs> just made it through another life or death situation, guys. <laughs> it's like, ha, ha, the entire planet's dead. The entire Oron <laughs> race is dead. Callie's just weeping in her room. <laughs> no, she's there laughing with I everyone. Remember, yeah, I don't remember whether Callie was there or not. The whole race is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for the 5,000 babies and the two other dudes, people. I guess. And yeah. Callie. Callie. Callie decides to stay with them. We don't see that decision, but Avon says, no, she'll decide to stay with us. She has more in common with us now than she does with her own people. <laughs> Avon's really confident about this. What's going to happen? It's going to be really awkward if next week Callie's just gone and Avon's like, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> you know, speaking anyway. of Servaland getting a liberated bracelet, I just realized they're just dotting the universe with these liberated bracelets that they leave everywhere. They teleport people down and then just never sure. teleport them back. Yeah, sure. That's kind of... It's bad not, practice. It's not going to bite them in the back, though. It's not going to come back and bite them. I mean, realistically, if we were talking like in-universe, it should come back and bite them. Out of universe, no, because they never bring any concepts back on the show, and I'm amazed they even mentioned the clone. Well, they bring, they bring concepts back. They don't really bring characters and... Well, I'm amazed they even back. bring the clone masters back in this story and mention them again. So... And... What's her name? Grant. Avon's true yeah. love... Who died at Shrinker's hand? Is his name really Shrinker? I guess so. I don't think we, we, he was ever named in um, Countdown. He was. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was named in Countdown. I don't think Avon wanted to tell Del Grant who killed his sister. Anyway, I don't have much else to say about this episode. I didn't find it engaging. I found I find it to be this is, you know, I mentioned last week the five Blake Seven episodes that I think are less than great so that ranges from like pretty bad to two i would say good because mm-hmm. everything else i think is better than good just good uh and this joins those five so another six total that i think really aren't hmm. up to par i thought the story was pretty good not great but good above average i really liked the subplot with Sovland and then villa and Callie. i think it, i think all the three subplots were like integrated pretty well in this it didn't feel like there were just two distinct stories running parallel like they did in a lot of episodes. In a lot of episodes that I disliked, like Power Play, for example. And I think everybody got their time in the sun, too, except kind of for Tarrant. That's fine. I'm- which is fine. I mean, Dana got to disarm this dude. Villa basically ran the Liberator while no one was I'm, there. I'm Avon fine. and Callie went down and saved everyone, and Tarrant just kind of helped out. Yeah, well, at the beginning of the season, I complained about Tarrant and Dana not having anything to do. Mm-hmm. And Dana has slowly gotten more awesome as the series is, uh, goes on, which is good. Tarrant, you know, he had his one sort of moment in Harvest of Kairos, and after that he's been getting uh, beaten down a little bit, which right. is fine because of what happened in Harvest of Kairos. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we should answer the questions if you don't have yeah. anything else to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to remind you of my question, uh, the tactician, t- sorry, technician, uh, calls letting Servaland use the cloning devices. And I think this is, what's her name? Franton, 
who I'm actually talking yeah. about. I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, calls letting Servaland use the cloning devices in exchange for her help, the price of blank, and the answer was D, mercy. So the price of mercy. Mine was when Servaland encounters the Orion Freighter, she lists off like what type it was. It was a free response. The answer was it was a class. Short answer. It was a class C. It's an essay question. Essay question, right? A 500-word essay on why <laughs> Servaland is wearing black in the story. Anyway, class C. I am going to be writing probably a paper on Blake Seven Series C. I have a couple. I've been jotting down a bunch of notes, you know, as I watch the season. You know, I have things that I've been reading lately, and based on what I have so far, this is going to be the largest and most ambitious paper I've ever written. The longest paper I've ever written is twelve pages, <laughs> which is really short if you actually get into like language and literature yeah. studies. Uh, but that's the longest I've ever done. But this one, if I'm really being as ambitious as I want to be, including all I want to include, is going to require dozens of hours of preparation and reading and dozens of pages. So, well, you have fun with that. I'm probably just going to. It's not going to happen for a while. I'm probably going to drop it once I have like actual stuff to write. <laughs> once I go back to school. Anyway, we have an email from Sarge and Jano. Hey guys, so children of Oran, first thing we get is a continuation of Avon's background plot, lost brought up in the Series B episode, uh, Series B episode nine countdown, right, and the frankly, tragedy of Anna Grant. Mentioned this, I didn't, I didn't think they were ever going to bring this thing back. Yeah, me neither. Del Grant's sister, we learn that Avon has decided to hunt down a killer, a dude called Shrinker. Did you guys dig space bazingo? It's a little Chinese checker thing. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Bazingo, name neither for am I. It. Familiar with bazinga. God. <laughs> what you guys think of Serverland's new command ship? Can't remember if we've seen it before. Kind of funny looking like a lizard or something. Some fans speculate it might be a ship captured from the Andromedans during the war, but the Oranar yeah, seem to peg it as a federation. Odd. Quite a few callbacks this episode. We've got Callie's backstory, her resistance work on Saurian Major from way back in Time Squad, Series A, Episode 4. We've also got mention of the clone monsters from Series B, Episode 3, Weapon. Serverland sends Daryl up to the Liberator with a hidden weapon, and it's back again, the green pistol that Serverland used to murder Dana's father, see attached. Maybe she took it off of one of the captured coup, but if so, it begs the question, why does Serverland think only Villa is on the Liberator when Dana, who built the gun and who Serverland is intimately aware of, is unaccounted for? Yeah, I brought that up. It really bothers me. Wow, so Serverland... she's intimately aware of her, though, and that's the thing. Mm. Wow, so Serverland has a brand new Star Trek communicator motor button we've never heard of or seen before. One press and boy, is your face red and you die. Wow, kill the whole planet and we end on a classic sitcom laugh out. Only Blake 7, baby. Pretty good episode, Heck 6 yeah. out of 7, Sergeant Drano Station 7. I was pretty sure you mentioned that Daryl died, but I'm telling you, Daryl died. When you go back and rewatch, you'll see Daryl dies. Well, I'll have to see. Okay, we'll go back, rewatch, not, see. I'll probably come back next week and be like, hey guys, you know, I didn't rewatch it. Well, that would be the least surprising thing to happen on this podcast. <laughs> So we also got a second email this week from a new correspondent, actually, who has not emailed us before. So thank you for reaching out to email us. Has corresponded on Twitter in some capacity. Yes, he has reached out to us on Twitter, but he hasn't emailed us. So this is an email we're going to respond to. Hi, guys. Have largely enjoyed listening to the podcast. I've sent a few comments via Twitter in recent days regarding your previous segments. But now that I've gotten current, I thought I'd send a a missive thanking you for doing this and also ensuring that Sergeant Reno and Audrey don't (laughs) monopolize your inbox. You're welcome. I appreciate that you guys are trying to mix it up, changing some of what you do for each series, and I think what would Blake do is the strongest of these so far. 
But, and I'm possibly in the minority here, I feel like you are sometimes trying too hard to add side material, such as the current trivia questions, which are literally so trivial that I find myself skipping ahead. In my opinion, the goals and the discussion and debate over the episodes and the metatextual material and this other stuff feels to me like an unwanted distraction and frankly padding. Other listeners' mileage might vary. Speaking of skipping, I also ended up fast-forwarding in episode 30 when you guys went on for almost a quarter of an hour, 13.5 minutes, because of what was essentially a minor continuity error, i.e. the reason for Kylie's exile, circularly arguing whether or not there was a retcon, issues of trust with the audience and intentionality, etc. Given the realities of TV production and the crunch the writers are under, I'm fairly certain that no writer on Series C remembered or cared quite what Callie said about her exile previously. Perhaps you might consider pruning such tangents a little more aggressively in editing when they effectively go as nowhere as this one did. I've long since watched the whole B7 series, so spoilery talk doesn't ruin anything for me, but sometimes you're like kids who know a secret and are busting to blurt it out, and you end up all but giving it away to each other by walking right to the edge of saying it. Sometimes feel like it's dampening the unspoiled reactions, especially where Dylan is concerned. Accurate or not, that's the impression I get. As per one of my tweets, the Federation logo isn't so much a Starfleet ripoff, but rather a fairly standard aerospace motif of a Delta shape is used by everything from Delta Airlines to... Roscosmos, the China National Space Administration, CNSA, and even good old NASA, and the circles being behind the Delta of the B7 Federation logo predates the use on Star Trek's insignia, which only added a circle behind the Delta in Star Trek The Motion Picture, which started to film over eight months after Blake 7 premiered. Finally, regarding Dawn of the Gods and your groaning amusement at the Liberator Hall <laughs> being made of Herculaneum, while I'm unsure how it was spelled in the script, it sounds like Herculaneum, uh, the first time he spells it H-E-R-C-U-L-A-N-I-U-M, and he says it sounds like Herculaneum spelled H-E-R-C-U-L-A-N-E-U-M, the city which was destroyed along with Pompeii in the Vesuvius eruptions of 79 AD. You might also be amused to know that the super strong windows on the Seaview submarine and voyage to the bottom of the sea were composed of a material called Herculate. Those nitpicks aside, keep up the good work. Maurice, P.S., you guys probably don't realize it, but you both have a rather inordinate fondness for, quote, weird, unquote, as descriptor. I'm tempted to start counting them. <laughs> Oh god, now I'm gonna, that's going to be in my brain. Well, so first off, yeah, starting go, from we'll next week, uh, we're just cutting the quiz sections entirely. Yeah. Uh, We've gotten negative feedback yeah. about it overall. So The overall feedback from listeners is it's bad, and I think right now in its current form, there's no way to make it work, so we're cutting it entirely. Yep. In regards to the discussion about Callie's Exile, I'm the I, one who edits the episodes. Fun fact, I left it in because I felt like it was to some point point interesting I, I although mean, it is it was a little circular i think here, here's the thing about that i th- I think you're right that that discussion didn't necessarily happen in the best way that it could have it got a little circular and arguey but i think what we're talking about is like actually very fundamental mm-hmm. to what that episode is doing and again maybe we didn't go about that in the correct way mm-hmm. you say that the discussion went nowhere and i in some capacity disagree with that because we didn't come to a consensus, right. but I don't think you have to come to a consensus for the discussion to go nowhere. I thought about that discussion and like the implications for that in terms of like literary theory and stuff far after we even had the discussion. So I, I, I think I do think you know from a personal perspective, I learned from that discussion mm-hmm. and I thought it was valuable. Me too. That's why I left it in, even though I did think did listen to it and was like, man, this is fifteen minute discussion. Yeah. So again, maybe we'll. I think we'll try and like not. Rather than maybe edit um, that stuff more aggressively, like we'll you just phrase it, go we'll about just it better. Go, yeah, go about it better. In regards to the spoilery talk, you, I mean, what you say is really it's, correct. It's For correct. Me, it's, it's correct. True. I, yeah, I am just bursting at the seams. With I do. I do it really badly. Untrusted after a lot. <laughs> yeah, you um, know, it's the reverse of 
this podcast right, where I haven't watched anything and you know Dylan has or, or I haven't watched like 75 I mean, other spoilers I almost enjoy seeing how far <laughs> I can go without spoiling it I mean I'll try and cut it back I mean but uh, yeah I'll, we'll I'll try and cut it back Interesting points about the Federation logo not being so much of a Starfleet ripoff, but yeah, when you mentioned standard. this, when you mentioned this on Twitter, I looked up a bunch of space uh, program logos and like, yeah, they all do have that sort of Delta symbol. But then I guess the question is why? Yeah, I couldn't. I tried to look that up too. I couldn't find anything about that. Why do they all use this Delta logo so prominently? Because Delta Airlines has been around since well before the '60s. NASA wasn't officially founded until. Hang on, I'm trying to remember a really <laughs> obscure fact. Because uh, they were formed as NACA, the National Aeronautics something, which is only Committee. not concerned with space at all. And then they renamed themselves to NASA and changed their, their logo. And I think that happened in, I want to say, uh, the 50s. It'll be in the notes. The, the correct 60s. date will be in the notes. Uh, I don't know anything about the China National Space Agency, but you know, why do all these things use the Delta logo so much? I mean, even Chevron gas station uses it too, though. <laughs> just upside down. In regards to Herculaneum, I have no idea how it was spelled in the script. That might be something that Making Blake 7 may be able to uh, confirm or deny. Yeah. I think you can also Google Blake 7 scripts and find Possibly. Them. I suspect it's it's spelled Herculaneum with an I and not an E, but... You never know. won't know unless you uh, look at the script. <laughs> Other than that, if you would like to email us, you can reach us at thedoctoratedecadentvegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on the Orons and their cloning facility. You can find us on Apple Podcasts at Zenith the Blake 7 Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Decadent Vegetable. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. Check us out on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Rumors of Death. But until then, the end. <laughs>